You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. What's happening? We're podcasting. Yeah, I guess we are. Yeah, it's not, you know, another week of people pretending coronavirus isn't out there. Mm-hmm. Cases are still going up. Hey, maybe someday we'll be able to go out and, like, live our lives and some stuff. Yeah, right. But right now, the end does not seem anywhere near. No. I know. It's weird watching anything and being like, remember when that was just normal? Yes. <laughs> Remember when just being around other people was normal? So, we're still on just our iPad speaker. Hopefully, we'll get those microphones soon. We're trying here. We're sorry that our first pair of microphones was wonky, and then our second pair just didn't work at all. Mm -hmm. Our second pair is fake. (laughs) It lights up. (laughs) Hey, cool. It gives us us hope. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Okay. We're on episode... 18. 18. Holy shit. Pretty Holy close shit. to 20. I'm almost at 20. Which is bonkers. I'm quitting. Fuck. Episode 18. 18. 18. It well, can go buy cigarettes now. Our it, podcast it can. can buy cigarettes. It, it can vote. Don't. It can buy cigarettes. It can vote. So I went please to vote podcast. Please vote. first in my head and then I was like, <laughs> I'll go to cigarettes. You could also, when you're 18, pet the puppies at the pet store without your parents. That's you have to be 18 to do that? I fucking know. I didn't know that. True. You can also buy scratch tickets. Oh, yeah. I should really be more aware of gambling since we live in Vegas. All right. Episode 18. 18. I'm Brittany Petrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But, but First, Let's Talk Nerdy. Nerdy. Clank. <laughs> 7.05 p.m., Martha. What's your topic? Today, I am going to talk about uh, the movie Pacific Rim. No. <laughs> I wanted to see how you'd react. <laughs> You're such a bitch. <laughs> uh, for all of you who didn't know, she didn't really know how to react. <laughs> You're just gonna... It was a half of a face and a half of another face, and they all tried to do one face. <laughs> With no noise coming out of her mouth. <laughs> I'll post a picture of that face you just made oh for you God. guys. If I can if I can make it again. You make that face often. Oh no. I know. But also You're kind of making it right now. It was worse before. This is just my disappointed and everything is horrible face. That was my I'm disappointed and everything is horrible, but also what? Fuck you! That's apparently where my voice is today. It's in horrible screeching voice. <laughs> Have fun listening to that. Later. You're fucking welcome, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm talking about the movie Pacific Rim and uh, how it's. Why do you have a new can and I do not? Because I'm not a bitch. That's a lie. <laughs> they were in the same box of truly. Yeah, well, I. I just thought it was funny because this is the old can and that's the new can, but they came out of the same 12 pack. It doesn't make you better. I mean, are you sure? You're the one that bought the fucked up pack of Truly. I didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) I did make it just to make you feel inferior, which didn't work. So (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Pacific Rim. I've never seen this movie. It's good. I actually really love it, obviously. And that's why I'm talking about it today. <laughs> I hate it. So I'm going to talk about it. To be fair, I did talk about Jean Grey and Superman. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, um, and also I do love talking about things that I hate. So that's still included in the thing that I love. (laughs) (laughs) So in my sources today, I used, obviously, Wikipedia and fandom, our two best friends. Um, And then I also used an article called Character Study, Rally Beckett from Pacific Rim by Jana Noel, Makamori, Actual Strong Female Character by Megan Crouch. Pacific Rim and Lessons in Positive Masculinity by Dr. Nerdlove and Magamori, Empowerment and the Search for Representation, which was J.C. Lau. Who's in Pacific Rim? Charlie Hunnan. You'd probably... If I saw him yeah. or if you, if you were able to give mm-hmm. me something else he was in. All the things I can think else. of he was in, I'm pretty sure you don't know. I'm really bad at names anyways. Same. Rinko Kikuchi is Makamori in it, and she's amazing. Uh, Idris Elba is in it. I know him. Everyone. Yeah, <laughs> the guy who plays uh, Charlie on fucking Always Sunny <laughs> is like a bonkers scientist. Ron Perlman, who was Hellboy, he's also in okay. it. Yeah, so there's a, a bunch of different people. Okay, Pacific Rim is a movie that could have just been about giant monsters and robot battle movie. And instead, they created some really great characters, and they didn't force a love story on us, and it subverted all of my expectations in a big, big way. Except for the expectations about giant monsters and mechs, which were very high, and they were not subverted, and I was very, very happy about that, too. Because honestly, even if the movie is just big fucking taiju and giant mechs blasting the shit out of each other, Mm -hmm. I would be very happy, but instead... We got a bunch of other fucking shit, which is great. Ayo, you spit on me. <laughs> and Martha and I are a good, like, three feet away from each other, too. <laughs> Same way she always touches me with her feet. They're already $20 over. Patreon level. <laughs> <laughs> Get that money. I'll keep my toenails well painted, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so in 2013... An interdimensional portal called the Breach opens at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, and then a bunch of fucking giant monsters called Kaiju emerge from there, and they start destroying cities. In response, we try to do a bunch of other things, and they don't work, like send the military and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And then we decide to, uh, we be humanity. Uh, <laughs> we, we specifically. It was me. I did it. <laughs> me and you and Luna. You're fucking welcome. <laughs> um, decide to build massive robots called Jaegers to combat these monsters. Jaegers? Mm-hmm. Like the al- alcoholic beverage. Exactly. Exactly like the alcoholic beverage. <laughs> the giant Jaeger bomb. Mm-hmm. Ew. Ew. The hangover. I can already <laughs> feel it. Like Look. the gross. Yeah. Look. No, Ew. thank you. No fucking um, thanks. Yeah, so each Jaeger um, is piloted by two or three pilots, and they're mentally linked um, in a process called drifting to share the mental stress of piloting the machine. So basically, you're piloting the machine with your brain, but um, piloting it by yourself really fucks you up and gives you a lot of like 
mental problems down the way, and then later more problems <laughs> like cancer and radiation oh, nonsense. Sweet. So instead, they're like, hey, well, if we can't do it with one person, we'll just have you guys share it. So they basically psychically link two people. Are they always psychically linked? Not always. But just, so just when they're piloting? Just when they're piloting. Okay, I was like, that would be a bummer. That said, when you're not psychically linked, but you've been doing it for a while, you can kind of not read each other's thoughts, but you just know each other so well. Yeah. You're. It's basically a, like, mind meld, and they get all of your memories, and you get all of their memories, and then um, if you can make them work together, then you can drift and you can pilot the Jaeger. Two pilots would have to be drift compatible with each other, which uh, basically depends largely on their personal connections and their ability to work in sync with each other. And this compatibility is commonly determined through sparring. Basically, it's the potential between two people to like be compatible regardless of whether there's a relationship there or not. Uh, if you and I weren't drift compatible before this fucking quarantine, <laughs> we fucking are now. Okay, so the movie opens up on these two brothers, which are piloting a Jaeger together. Uh, their names are Rally and Yancey Beckett. I know. Yancey. I fucking know. They're not twins, right? They're just brothers. Okay. Uh, Yancey is older, Rally is younger. Yancey! Makes me think of fucking Futurama. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a Category 3 kaiju there, so the categories are obviously, like, small, too bigger, too bigger, and blah blah blah. And he's a big fucking dickhead. His name is Knifehead. Uh, he didn't name himself. We named him, so. Okay, at least there's that. Mm-hmm. Is there that? There's nothing worse than naming yourself a sh- BTK. For real. Fuck you, bro. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, so, yeah, it starts out where they are piloting their Jaeger together. They're drift compatible. Uh, they get along really well. Riley is, like, really hyped because this is the biggest kaiju that they've had yet. I think it's the first Category 3 that they've had. And he's like... Cool, we get to go fight a big monster, I get to go fight with my brother and beat this thing up, and it's going to be really fun. Awesome, good times. Uh, not good times, as it turns out. Womp. Weep, womp. Knifehead rips uh, part of the head and one of the arms off of the kaiju, and the like pod where they're in is kind of right in there. So uh, he also rips Yancey out of the pod and kills him. I was going to say, that sounds illegal. You cheated. (laughs) I mean, they're monsters, so they don't really give a fuck about... That's fair. ...legality. That's fair. They're just here to fuck things up. Okay. Yeah. So, rally... You think they'd have some kind of safety precautions in place? I think it's as safe as it gets, but also this was... The ones before were significantly smaller. This guy's basically the same size as their big fucking robots. Like, it's, it's bad news. So I feel like the lesson of those here, where don't fight monsters. Let someone else fight the monsters. Oh, yeah. No, that's always the lesson. <laughs> that's very, very fucking true. That is, if you learn no lesson from Brittany and I, <laughs> learn that you should run away to run away another day. <laughs> Leave and let live. Mm-hmm. Clink. <laughs> Martha and I are very Slytherin. Yeah, sorry. We're no. just smart. We're not dumb. Yeah. I'm not feeling like throwing my life away for anything stupid. So, and 
I mean, fighting a big monster is really cool, but also do it in video games, dummy. Just find Godzilla and let him do the work. Yes. That would be the ideal. <laughs> so basically, Rally is eventually able to kill Knifehead. Wait, who's who's dead? Yancey. Okay. Yancey! Your name is fucking Yancey. Yeah, that's okay. why. Uh-huh. So Yancey is dead. Yancey is dead. Uh, Rally um, ends up piloting what's left of the Jaeger and um, ends up, after some time, killing Knifehead and then piloting it back to the beach and hopping out of it. But also, like, first of all, he's piloting a Jaeger by himself, which is a big fucking no-no. Bad for your brain. And secondly, he but just he's only had... piloting part of it, right? Half of it got ripped off. It's probably a similar amount of work. <laughs> you have one less arm to worry You're about. You're probably significantly less balanced. That's true. Mm-hmm. But worse than that, you also were psychically connected to your brother. Yeah. Exactly in the same place, and then all of a sudden he's ripped out of your brain and dead. So <laughs> not only is that like a weird mind fuck, but then you have to deal with death and grief and. You're big fucked up and everything's the worst. So uh, he quits the Jaeger program after that, which very fucking fair. The movie opens up and it's five years later. The kaiju are coming a lot more often and it's getting worse. And while the Jaeger program is effective, it's not fixing the problem. So world leaders want to just replace it with a coastal defense wall. So basically, they want to build a big giant wall to block out the monsters. Did they talk to Trump about this? It's great. What should we do for our defense? What would you like to do? What would you like to do? Just build a giant wall? Perfect. You know what would be really good? Are the, the monsters are going to pay for the wall, right? Oh, yeah. We're going to... That's definitely how that's going to work. We're going to pop through the breach and be like, Hey, can I get some money for this wall? Since... We don't want you around here because I'm a xenophobic prick. Okay. Um, so after that happens, all of the governments are like, we're not going to pay for this shit anymore. They take the Jaegers, the Jaeger program people take the Jaegers back to their one Jaeger base in Hong Kong called the Shatter Dome, which I'm like. So they're not going to pay for the Jaegers, but they're going to pay for the wall. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know what would be a better place what? for our funding? We what? know this thing has been sort of working, but also it hasn't been working. It hasn't erased a problem. And we don't know how to deal with this. What? So what if we just cover everything in, in a tarp? <laughs> what and then everybody pl- plays dead? What wall do they think is going to keep these monsters out? It's made out of magic and hope. I was like, is it adamantium? It's made out of hope and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. So they take the Jaegers back to Hong Kong, and then pretty much right after they make the decision to fund the wall, and they're like, yeah, let's do the thing. We'll make this wall. A kaiju comes and knocks through it like it's fucking nothing. Of course, because I'm sure they made it out of the cheapest stone they could find. (laughs) Because that was the cheapest thing they could do. Yep. They're like, you know what's really expensive? Giant, giant fucking robots. Giant, giant fucking robots. That's my band name. My ska band. They went to the dollar store and bought a band-aid instead of going and buying a nice medical Mm -hmm. band-aid. Weird that that's a government thing. Shocking. Uh Um, You know what band-aids don't work? Dollar store (laughs) band-aids. I didn't know. (laughs) Now I'm aware. I'm glad. Okay. Good to know. 
But yeah, so the director of the Jaeger program, uh, Stacker Pentecost, who is played by Idris Elba, plans to destroy the breach by popping a nuke through it, basically. <laughs> um, but you've got to get down there with a Jaeger, basically, to do it. Because how the fuck else are you going to get to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean? Is that why it's called Pacific Rim? That's why! So during this time, Rally is actually building the coastal wall. Which, because he's a stupid turd, who knows, whatever. He's sad, and he's like, I guess I'll do this useless dumb thing. I feel like that would just give you so much time to think, but also he's guilty and sad, so, you know, these things happen. Pentecost finds him and asks him to come back to the program, and he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And then Pentecost is like, well, where would you rather die? Building this dumb wall, or in a Jaeger fighting a kaiju? And he's like... Mm, I guess you're right, okay. So they go back to the Shatterdome, and that's where we and Rally meet Mako Mori, who is my fave. My babe. She is the director of the Jaeger Restoration. Okay, I just have to put this out here. Huh? So it's out, and I don't want to think about it anymore. Every time you say Jaeger... You're just thinking about every Jaeger bomb. No, I'm thinking of Jaeger, Meister, Meister, Jaeger. Why are you like this? <laughs> I never get to say that. This is a special episode. <laughs> uh, My favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> the other day I was thinking and I was like, our December month is going to be bonkers. Why? Because of you. Be ready, podcast yeah. people. I've already done one. We got an email from someone. We did? Saying they really liked that episode and they're really, they're excited to hear more. Shout out listener, yeah. Bill. Thanks, Bill. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That's really nice. I feel like I'm going to blush. Except for, <laughs> you know, hopefully not because that's embarrassing. Now you're blushing because it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, everything's the worst. Cool, cool, cool. They arrive in Hong Kong and are greeted by Mako Mori, who is the director of the Jaeger Restoration Program. Jaeger Meister Meister Jaeger? The Jaeger Meister Meister Jaeger. Okay. And we also later learn that she is Dr. Pentecost's adopted daughter. So she shows Rally around and there's a bunch of basically mech porn and you know that's a thousand percent my jam you get to see all the other pilots the scientists his old jaeger which has been rebuilt and re-weaponed for another final mission and then she shows him to his room which is right across from hers and tells him that he'll be meeting with candidates to figure out drift compatibility soon um and they talk about piloting and he learns that it's basically Mako's dream to pilot a Jaeger and that her record for all of the testing is incredibly impressive. But Stacker won't let her fight. But they don't go into But why? Why yet? <laughs> why? Why, Papa? Why? Also, every time I think Papa, that Papa, not Papa, which is your Papa. Papa Bond? I think of from Rudolph. Eat, Papa, eat. <laughs> like, oh Jesus, why? Talking about more Christmas movies. I know you poisoned me. Mistletoe poison. Okay, 
Rally beats all of his partnership candidates in hand-to-hand combat pretty easily. Uh, he notices Mako staring at him and is like, what's wrong? And she's like, mm, I just feel like you could have done a better job with this. Yes, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, like, you could have taken that guy down in three moves and you didn't. And I don't know why. Um, and then he's like, okay, fine. You, you show me what's up. And they fight, and they're incredibly well-matched, though at the end she does pin him to the ground, which is baller. Stacker still refuses to let her fight, but he won't say his reasons. And then she and Raleigh do eventually convince him to let her help. Come on, she's battle ready. She deserves this. She deserves this. That was a Ruby reference. Penny. I'm battle ready, but they don't let her fight at first. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, and you definitely, that was like season two. So you yeah, I was going to say, I know. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I saw a penny up through her death. Yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah, she's always like, I'm battle ready, but the, she, they won't let her fight at first. Oh, baby. <laughs> what a cute baby. I think she's back. I haven't seen the new season. Mm. They, well, I mean, she was a robot, so they probably just rebuilt her. That's fair. <laughs> so... Basically, they end up letting them team up, um, and they start to try to go after Kaiju at one point, and they start to establish their link, and then Rally has a memory of his brother being ripped out of his uh, Jaeger, and then that causes the link to break. PTSD! Yes, and because... Did he ever get any therapy? You don't see it, but it's also five years later, so it could have been in that five years. I'm going to say no. PTSD. But actually, he does mature a lot, so maybe. Let's say maybe. But yeah, so the link breaks, and since it's Mako's first run and she's never actually done this, um, so you are kind of in like this sea of like all of your memories and also all of your drift partner's memories. So she goes and follows one of her memories, and it ends up being the one where she is being chased by an actual kaiju. It's where her parents were killed, and it's also where we find out that Pentecost adopted her because he saved her by piloting a Jaeger alone to come and fight this kaiju and kick its ass. And that's why he's so incredibly protective about her. With this knowledge, Rally goes to Pentecost and is like, no, you have to still let her have another chance because the only reason this didn't work is because I fucked up. up. Yeah. They do end up letting everything go through and that's great, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, our scientist friends, so you've got Charlie and then there's also, Charlie's name is... It doesn't matter. He's Charlie. It doesn't matter. He's always Charlie. He's literally always Charlie. (laughs) Always going to be Charlie. (laughs) In this, he's just Charlie, but a scientist. Yeah. A thousand percent. Scientist Charlie. Mm -hmm. But basically, he hive-minded with a kaiju brain that they had kicking around and uh, found out that they're all a hive mind and that they're all mentally linked and their masters are colonizers and they go from... The kaiju. Yes. Okay. They go from world to world, uh, utilizing the kaiju, the masters utilize the kaiju to eradicate the current inhabitants. And they came to Earth before, and uh, before the time of the dinosaurs, but there was too much oxygen. But then we ruined it, so that's why they get to come through now. So, after this, two Category 4 kaijus emerge at the same fucking time. Sounds like a bummer. It is a big bummer. 
Yeah, I would say it's a very, very big bummer. They um, deployed the remaining three Jaegers that you saw when you were going through all the cool mech, and I was like, ugh, swoon. And then two of them get destroyed pretty easily, and one of them, um, so one of the kaiju that's out there has, like, weird electronic powers, and sends an EMP through it and shuts the fucking thing down. So they're just, like, stuck out there. All three of our Jaegers get taken out, two of them get killed, and killed their their robots but the people inside them get killed i assume probably and then pentecost is like okay we have no fucking choice i guess you guys can go out into the field and do your thing because um because we're gonna die either way so we might as well at least pretend that we're trying exactly also so the jaeger that um they're piloting is the one that they did from before it's it's what's his name that got destroyed rallies so it's it's built on a nuclear reactor, so it's not electronic, so it can't can, be you can't blast it with an EMP. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they go out there and uh, manage to slay both kaiju. One of them they shoot through a bunch of times, and then the other one like gets fucking wings and flies them up, and then they fucking slice through it. Mako pulls out this boss ass sword in the Jaeger. Jägermeister. Jägermeister, Meister Jäger. <laughs> and slices it in half and then says, for my family and I. And then I cry, you know. I would have said, fuck you, but it's fine either way. <laughs> She's a little bit more demure than you are. Screw you. What's the word? <laughs> She's much less. Trust you. <laughs> She's much less abrasive than you are. <laughs> I'm really abrasive. You better watch out. <laughs> Um, Martha's more more approachable because she's less abrasive than I am. Because I want those free fucking drinks. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not worth me. No, that's true. I'm trying. That's a lie. That is a wicked lie. That's a big lie. Look, there's no time to try. I have two jobs that want me full time. And also there's a plague. And there's a plague. I don't know if anybody <laughs> forgot about that. We have not. Cool. <laughs> and we have a fucking dictator running our country. We all <laughs> got time to be non-abrasive. <laughs> I literally only got time to be non-abrasive for drinks. <laughs> and then I'll be like, yo, peace. Which Fuck we you. can't even do now anyways. But go to a bar exactly. And so now I really people. don't have time. Hey, I don't know. I'll flirt with people on Tinder and then be like, send me fucking booze. Send me booze. Have you thought about just sending me a 12-pack of... <laughs> Seltzer, but not the black no cherry. No black cherry. No black cherry. That's a fucking... I will throw that at your face right here. Deal goddamn breaker. I'll be like, oh, come stand six feet apart from me, and then I'll just throw the black cherry at your face. Shit. Oh, no. That would be amazing and terrible. So, basically, at this point, that means that we're getting two at once, and they're both fucking category four. So, uh, while we stopped both of them here... We need to stop all of this now because it's getting worse and the Earth can't fucking deal with a whole lot more. So the scientists predict the pattern and it's supposed to be a fucking triple attack. And they're definitely going to be at least all Category 4s if they're lucky, which they're not. So Stacker decides to go through with his new plan a little sooner rather than later. And what at this point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he and one of the other... Um, Pilots for the Jaeger that got shut down in the ocean. 
team up because the partner's son got fucked up in the fight, and also because, uh, so Stacker is already dying, he's been dying of cancer the entire time, because he piloted his Jaeger too long by himself, so he's got radiation poisoning. Wow. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the scientists have hooked up with another brain that they got, and they figured out that the only way that they're going to get through the breach is with the genetic code of a kaiju. So basically, they have to kind of like ride a kaiju through the breach in order to send their nuke through. That's the only way. Bad times. It's just a bad time. And then if they don't do that, the bomb's just going to deflect and only affect Earth, which means we'll just kill ourselves. Yeah. So they have two uh, level fours and a fucking level five kaiju, and they're all fighting, and it's baller, and it's cool, and they're on, like, the bottom of the ocean. Both of the Jaegers take, like, a lot of fucking damage in the process, and then Stacker and his people decide to deploy the bomb, and it kills two of the kaijus, and it gives Mako and Raleigh a chance to get through the portal. Now, if they ride a Jaeger through the portal, it's like suicide, right? You're not coming out alive, sort of. There's no Tony Stark. There was no plan for people to be coming back. But it all ends up being okay, so it's fine. Well, obviously, (laughs) because in the end, it's a movie. Exactly. But, you know. Yancey. Yancey. (laughs) Sorry, Yancey. You're dead. Dead Yancey. Bummer. So their Jaeger beats the level five kaiju and then decides to ride it through the portal. And because they have a nuclear reactor as their core, they're just basically going to blow the Jaeger up down there. And then as they're doing this, Mako is losing air. So why? Because her air thing is broken or something. Basically, they're running out of air. They weren't supposed to be down there for that long anyways. Raleigh's just about to run out of air soon, but he has enough to get him, get things fucking finished. So he deploys her ejection pod and then is able to manually override the nuclear reactor just as the Jaeger enters through the breach. He ejects himself, like, basically right as they're entering and gets back to Earth, like, seconds before the mech detonates and... Everybody gets fucking killed. There's a second movie, so I don't know what happens in that one. (laughs) But we're talking about one movie, so I don't fucking care. So the two pods reach the surface. Uh, Rally's not responding, but he does have a pulse. And then Mako swims over and opens it. And Rally's he kind of like gasps and comes to, and they're okay. And they have a big hug. And then um, at the very end, they stopped the war clock, which had been counting down to how much time they had to the next attack. Yay, everybody wins. Yay, yay, yay. So both Mako and Raleigh are really special as far as characters go. The movie opens up with Raleigh, who is like, he's your typical white male protagonist. He's cocky. He's cocksure. He's a pilot, he's hyped to get in a fight with a big monster because, yay, they tell him at one point, like, there's ten people out there, you have to fucking leave them at B and, like, get the fuck in. But he goes and saves all of them. Yeah. And he's attractive and mm-hmm. fit. And- he also, that's why his brother dies, because he's like, no, we're gonna do the heroic thing because I'm a rebel, blue, blue, blue. He is attractive and fit, that's very true. <laughs> 
as usually the white male protagonist is. Mm-hmm. And then five years later, and normally five years later, you see a character like that, and they've become like a shitty Batman light. They're a dark and tortured soul. This is the source of his man pain, TM. Yes, I know. <laughs> and we're never going to fucking hear the end of it. And instead, while Riley is still definitely in mourning, and it's very clear that it's affected him in a huge fucking way, he's also refreshingly cooperative and kind, and he doesn't make everything about him and his fucking tragedy, which is so, so good. When he meets Mako, she you can kind of tell that she has like some hero worship for him, and he's just like... Curious and interested about her. He wants to know what she's about. He advocates for her to have a chance in her life because he can see that she, A, deserves it, and B, is a fucking boss and a half. Like, she's she should be, with testing, a better pilot than him, and he knows that. So he's like, I don't know why you're not going to let her have a fucking chance. It doesn't make any sense. And eventually is part of the reason that she is able to go and pilot Jaeger with him. And then after, like... Everything gets fucked up, and she she almost blasts a hole through the Shatter Dome because she's stuck in this memory. And he advocates for her again, even though, like, not because it's grounding him and because he's stuck, not able to do things, but because it's the right thing and because her motivation, he relates, he gets it. He knows where she's coming from, and he feels that the commander is holding her back because of his sentimental value there. Which is like the connection there is what's holding her back and then uh he and mako work really well together throughout the whole entire movie and they never he's never got like a big ego about the fact that he used to do this and was a fucking hot shot for a while like when they both have fears he relates to her he doesn't make any weird romantic moves on her. there's there's no romantic interest which is always great but there's definitely but their relationship is important and like powerful yeah and you can tell like they're well because i feel like even from what you're explaining it's more of a partnership relationship it's 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 nothing to do with romance it has everything to do with a partnership he respects the fuck out of Mm -hmm. them and like and you can see that in everything and it's awesome it's so good and also like there are a couple times where you could potentially see where where normally there would be some sort of a male gaze, and his male gaze is basically like a fucking golden retrie- retriever looking up at her like, you're so good at all the things you do, and I'm really excited that I get to work with you, and it's great. I would say the only, like, gazy moment that you have at all is at one point Mako's looking, like, through a crack in the door, and he's pulling off his shirt, and it's very gazy, but it's definitely <laughs> for those of us who like that shit. <laughs> It's great. Also, you can admire someone's body and not want to romantically yeah. be involved with them. Also, you can admire someone's body and not make them an object. Yes. And that never happens in this movie. And it's fucking awesome, awesome, awesome. So, yeah, he sees Mako as an equal, as somebody who he's pulling for because she deserves it. He's very non-toxic masculinity. And it's fucking great. It's so great. Um, and then Mako herself is incredibly revolutionary as well. Um, she's treated as an equal throughout the entire movie. She becomes the second protagonist rather than a sidekick. Or just the romantic well, interest. I was going to say, or the romantic interest. She, I would say she, she has more motivation and, than Rally than anybody else in the movie. 
And then also, like, she's put in her time at the Jaeger program. Like, you know that she's a fucking boss. She compiled all of the candidates for fucking rally. She knows all the mechs, and she knows all the pilots. She completed 51 fucking simulator missions with 51 kills, which is a perfect record. And the only thing that's holding her back is Stacker until he realizes that that's not the way to do it. She's bad already. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, she basically, um, her level of expertise qualifies her to judge Rally's record, and she calls him out on all of the usual traits of the white male hero. Um, She says, I think you're unpredictable. You have a habit of deviating from standard combat techniques. You take risks that injure yourself and your crew. I don't think you're the right man for this mission. Of course, you know, she ends up helping make him the right man for the mission, and everything ends up being great. But also, he respects her opinion, even though she's basically like, your redemption arc is going to fucking get people killed. Yep. And I would say, like, they really hammer in the idea that, like, so basically, if you're drift compatible, you are fucking equal. You're equals. And that makes Mako, who is an Asian woman, the perfect match for the white male hero, which suggests that she is his equal in this fucking summer blockbuster. So this is a quote. Is that a quote? Yes. Summer blockbuster. Oh, yeah. In the summer blockbuster where no one is more important than the white male hero, this is kind of a big deal in light of Hollywood's long history of portraying Asian women of subservient, submissive, and sexualized objects. Mako's treatment is especially subversive. I don't know. She's just a really well-written character, not only just as a female, but also as a woman of color. Like, her background is informed by who she is, but also she's not, like, a ninja or a dragon lady yeah. or anything like that. And she's she's portrayed as a full person who's got full motivation and who actually reaches her goals <laughs> within the fucking movie and is a goddamn boss the entire time. So for a little while when this movie came out, there was actually talk of boycotting it because it doesn't pass the Bechtel test. Um, which the Bechtel test is basically if there are two women and they have a conversation and it's not about a man, then your movie passes the Bechtel test. So a lot of people were like, well, it can't be feminist because of this. And somebody on Tumblr was like, mm, no, actually, not- just because it, it, first of all, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't make it not feminist. Secondly, it is incredibly feminist because, because it's about it literally being equal yeah. to a white male. Mako has there is nothing more feminist than being equal to a white than male. Fucking anybody in yes. the entire movie. So they made uh, they proposed the Mako Mori test, which basically is passed if uh, the movie has at least one female character who gets her narrative arc, and that's not about supporting a man's story. Which you know. It would be nice if we I like how the more. feminist test is also about a male. Oh, yeah. The test is they didn't talk about a guy. Mm-hmm. And also, like, if you think... Excuse me. It doesn't have to be about a guy. It's a very white feminist way to come at it. Because they also didn't think about race literally at all in yes. And, like, if you think about the Bechtel test with race, it's passed all fucking over in just, this. It just like, makes- you have to think about... The whole point of feminism is equality, and just because two females don't talk about a guy doesn't mean anything about equality. No. 
the 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 fact the movie like, is granted, all about equality to a white male. It's really important. It would have been really nice if they had had more female characters and more female character development. But what they did with Mako is fucking incredible, and it's really great. So Pacific Rim is basically a movie that subverted all of my expectations of how it would go. They took their male white hero and they made him strong through having compassion and not his dumb man pain. They took the person who would normally be the sidekick or like the love interest with half a name and made them into the same level, if not above the white hero in importance and badassery. I went in expecting to just watch fucking giant mechs beat on kaiju. And don't get me wrong, I got the fuck out of that, but I also got so, so, so much more. So that's that. Pacific Rim. It's baller. I love it so much. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to Podcasting has this to say about the weekly Earth Station One podcast. Mildly entertaining, not nearly as exciting as the popping of bubble wrap, but slightly better than listening to Vogon poetry. Be mildly entertained by Mike and Mike as they tackle an assortment of geeky topics each week. Check out the Earth Station One podcast and let your inner geek out to play. on a thing um i think it's on youtube oh there you go all right me my turn you your turn my turn today i am doing scooby-doo and all of the actual good life lessons you learn from the cartoon oh no I love scooby-doo they have a lot of it on um netflix too a lot of the movies yes Yes, fuck. Small aside, I think they just said that Velma is a lesbian recently. Oh, like good. really recently, which is. everybody knew, but also like no, they also should say nice. that uh, Daphne is definitely bi. And friends of beard. <laughs> Sorry, Fred. <laughs> going. You're wearing an ascot, and Shaggy's always high. It's fine. Sandra. We, I could go into a whole bunch of different conspiracies they have about Scooby Doo, but I was like, I need to. Not do another podcast. <laughs> Pretty, this is not a nerd conspiracy. That podcast. You need to calm slowly morphing down. into one all by itself. Crackpot, hire me. All right. Anyways, <laughs> Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Okay, so I used Wikipedia, and then. I read a couple of different articles. One was called 10 Valuable Life Lessons That Prove Scooby-Doo is Much More Than a Cartoon by Story Pickers. 10 Lessons Kids Can Learn from Scooby-Doo on NationalNannies.com. <laughs> and then A Lesson in Skepticism and How Humans Are Often the Real Monsters by Janelle Bott. So, Scooby-Doo, for those of you who have lived under a rock and don't know... 
is an American animated franchise made up of animated TV series starting all the way in 1969, all the way to the present. They had just a series come out back in 2019. I was going to say, that was really recent. The original writers were Joe Ruby and Ken Spears. They created the original series, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, for Hannah uh, Barbera Barbera Productions in 1969. Hannah Barbera did so much good fucking shit. Yeah. The Saturday Morning Cartoon series featured teenagers Fred Jones, Daphne Blake, Velma Dinkley, and Norville Shaggy Rogers. (laughs) And and, uh, his great teen, I'm pretty sure it was Shaggy's great teen, Scooby-Doo. The teens solved mysteries involving what seemed to be supernatural creatures, wrote a series of antics, and missteps. So, following the success of the original series, Hanna-Barbera and its successor Warner Brothers Animation have produced numerous follow-ups and spin-offs of the animated series and several related works, including television specials, made-for-TV movies, direct-to-video films, and two Warner Brothers production theatrical feature films. With fucking Freddie Freddie Prince Freddie Prince Jr. and um, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm -hmm. Romance. (laughs) The true ideal. And Velma is Clint Barton's wife. Oh shit. Oh fuck. What's her name? I love I can't think I don't know her real name. I love I love her. She's in Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. She's so fucking cute. Which I didn't realize until I saw a picture and I was like, holy shit! I know! Holy shit! A baby! Um, some versions of Scooby-Doo feature variations on the show's supernatural theme and include characters such as Scooby's cousin, Scooby-Dumb, who I personally don't know of. I say, I don't think I've heard of Yeah, and it's dumb as in D-U-M. I figure. Yep. And then his nephew, nephew Scrappy-Doo. His nephew Scrappy-Doo. Nephew Scrappy-Doo. Fucking Scrappy-Doo is a dick. Oh, he sucks. We hate you, Scrappy-Doo. Yeah. You're and the only dog I don't like. Isn't say, and isn't in the movie, isn't he the villain in the yes. second anime? In the second live action yes. movie. That's funny. Perfect. Um, and yeah, there are some additional original characters that show up every so often, like the Hex Girls that came in a movie and actually show up in later uh, of the newer mm-hmm. animated series. I've seen a lot of bands that are basically exactly the Hex Girls. Yeah, they are the Hex Girls. Yes. So, Scooby-Doo was originally broadcasted on CBS in 1969 all the way to 1976. When it was moved to ABC. ABC aired variations of the show until canceling it in 1985 and presented a spin-off feature of the characters all as children in a pup named Scooby-Doo. And that was from 1988 to 1991. Why are there so many things that are like, would you like to see these things as babies? Yeah. The answer is no. Yeah, I don't know. They all, they have dance-offs in every show, though. Like, when they're, like, chasing, they're all dancing. Yeah, I, I've seen it, because that's my life. Um, two Scooby-Doo reboots aired as part of Kids WB and on the WB, and then the successor of the CW from 2002 to 2002. Do you remember when the CW was the WB? I do. I do. I remember when it changed over, and I remember... Things fell off as far as quality. Mm-hmm. Further reboots were produced for Cartoon Network beginning in 2010 and continuing through 2018. And in 2013, TV Guide ranked Scooby-Doo the fifth greatest TV cartoon. 
Repeats of the various Scooby-Doo series are frequently broadcasted on Cartoon Network's sister channel, Boomerang, mm-hmm. in the United States as well in other countries. And the newest series, Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, premiered in June 27, 2019, which is on Boomerang. It's also on Netflix. And a couple of the movies and this series from, like, 2002 or something like that yeah. is also on Netflix. So you can watch a bunch of it on Netflix. Loads right of now. good shit. But most of it is on Boomerang. Boomerang, right now, you can do, like, a seven-day free trial. So I'm almost interested because of the, they have the original Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I was almost interested. I in love just, that old yeah, shit. of getting the seven-day well, free trial and binging. I really love, Scooby-Doo. like, any any cartoon from that time. Yes. Yeah, they probably have all that good stuff. So, so yeah. All right. Scooby-Doo, like many cartoons, try to teach life lessons to kids, but it's surprising how many can be found in Scooby-Doo and how many have a lot of truth that you see as an adult. Yes. Are you seeing this more because you listen to a thousand murder podcasts? Probably. (laughs) Okay, just making sure. Really, your murder podcasts are just your Scooby-Doo evolved. Scooby-Doo for adults. Instead, we're going to yell about BTK instead of this guy's mask. Pretty sure I mentioned some murderers in this. Oh, good. We'll get there. So, here we go. Let's go over everything Scooby-Doo taught us, even if we didn't realize it as kids. So, I'm going to start with the Scooby Snack. Scooby Snack was a special dog treat that the gang, usually Velma, would give Scooby and also Shaggy when they were too scared to do something. Usually it was because they were going to be used as bait for the monster. That's right. Um, and to bribe them into doing it, they would give them a Scooby snack. Depending on how scary it was, Scooby and Shaggy could sometimes negotiate for two or three Scooby snacks. I'm very, very afraid today of this person <laughs> in a mask. <laughs> yep, basically. So what's the lesson about these Scooby snacks? Surely we don't want to eat dog treats. <laughs> they don't taste good as someone who's eaten dog treats. <laughs> Same. Can't agree. Having <laughs> dog treats. Did not like them. No, they're very boring because dogs <laughs> can't eat that shit. Right. But they're exciting for dogs. Have eaten cat kibble. That's salty. I've eaten the pill pockets. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I've eaten wet food. I haven't eaten cat wet food. That's... I've eaten dog wet food. Yeah, okay. Like, just, like, a chunk of meat. It's also different when I'm, like, I was in the veterinary yeah. field, so sometimes you kind of want to be, like, I just want to make sure this is this actually animal? good. Yeah. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. makes sense. I was just a dumb child who was, like, hmm. I think I ate wet food once when I was younger because my sister dared me with $5. I am not surprised by that at all. And I was, like, I will absolutely eat this chunk of wet food for $5. <laughs> no, I ate cat food because my brother was, like, I kind of want to eat cat food. And I was, like, oh, okay, I guess so. And then my grandpa was, like, let's all eat cat food together. <laughs> One of my weird... Childhood memories. <laughs> it is random. <laughs> All right. We learned that everybody should have their own version of a Scooby snack, whether it's another person, a religion, a pet, even an activity. Something you know you can always turn to when life is hitting a low point on your roller coaster ride that we go through. Life can be, I said life can be hard, but I meant life can be hard. <laughs> 
can be hard. Life can be hard. <laughs> it can be really, really, really hard. And really hell, hard. right now, it's really hard. Yeah. And this Scooby Snack is something that you know you can go to to help lift your spirits and make things seem a little less awful. Small animal pictures. Yes. Glitter. <laughs> Cats. This fucking dickhead. This bitch over here. <laughs> Alright, part two of Scooby Snacks. Rewards. Rewarding good behavior is a very common practice for either children or an animal or even adults. How many jobs do you have where they set up some kind of a contest or reward system? All this is doing is having you put in the tiny bit more effort and care into what you should already be doing anyways. At Fridays, we used to have contests all the time, like... Whoever sold the most ultimate drinks, like I should be upselling ultimate drinks anyways. That's part of my job. It's gonna help me. It's gonna make the bill bigger. But I want a hundred dollar gift card to fucking Foxwoods for doing that. So, <laughs> and uh, Jenny Craig has a reward program now too for like just like doing like your job. Like you'll get like points and you can get like gift cards. We used to do a bingo at Warby. During the December month, mm-hmm. where basically, like, the entire month, every week, we would have a bingo card, and, like, you could try to get bingo on it. Yeah, and a bunch of people got, like, fucking gift certificates to the tattoo place across yeah. the street. That's fucking baller. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, you should be doing it anyways, mm-hmm. but people respond well to rewards. Yeah. Like, you're going to give me something, I am going to... I'm going to try. Absolutely. It's the same thing with uh, you give your pup a treat when they go pee outside. You don't when they pee inside. They learn peeing outside equals good and treat. Peeing inside is bad. I don't get a treat. Now your dog isn't peeing inside the house. Same with kids. You give them a fucking sticker and they're like, I'm going to go pee outside. I'm going to pee outside. (laughs) Not going to piss in my pants. You know, whatever kids do. Shaggy, <laughs> I don't fucking know. Shaggy and Scooby got a treat as a little bit of a bribe, but also for doing a good job at their job, which is basically just being the team's bait every single episode. And they were good at it, so they would get Scooby snacks. Run really <laughs> fucking fast for somebody who ate a sandwich yep. that's as big as my head. Yep, it's fine. So, long story short, good behavior gets rewarded. And now let's look at the characters of Scooby Doo. There's Fred, who is the leader, and I guess. The muscle. (laughs) Leader should also be in quotations. Um, He drove the van. (laughs) Velma, who's the smart bookworm. Daphne, who is the pretty one who always seemed to be the damned. I killed Martha. I killed her. She's dead. Fred's the muscle. He's wearing an ascot. I don't think you can be both. He kind of has a Dorito body. He does. I don't think he knows how to use it. I think he was just born with a weird Dorito body. <laughs> for sevens. Teach Fred how to use his Dorito body for good. <laughs> if you have a Dorito body, use it because Dorito bodies are delicious. <laughs> as long as they're nacho cheese or cooler ranch. That's spicy <laughs> shit. <laughs> just kidding. For sevens, you can be any flavor. Anyways. I'm, I'm very happy with a spicy Chris Evans. Chris Evans, if I ever meet you, I'm going to be like, remember that time you and Freckles? Chris Evans, if I ever meet you, I'm going to be like, please don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Also, 
I'm help. sorry. My friend's a little obsessed with you, but she does know you're your own person. <laughs> we just want you in our vicinity. <laughs> we just want you in our vicinity. Would you like to be in our vicinity? I will talk to you about Norman Osborne. <laughs> His hair, specifically. I had... And then he would be like, who's Norman Osborne? The fucking worst thought the other day about... Norman Osborne's hair? No, about Billy Zane playing Norman Osborne. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of spit that came out of your mouth is fucking bonkers. But yeah, no, I was like, this is bad. Just, like, I'm dead. No more podcasts. That was it. You had to call my work tomorrow and tell them you killed me. Um, so I... Unintentionally, so please don't call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I was like, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I would tease you forever. I'm so uncomfortable with just the idea. And I would definitely buy a cardboard cutout and not tell Stop. you. And just put it out here for you to see. The open the fridge, he's this there. I'm like, please Norman Osborne. Oh no, I'm dead. I need I'm to talk dead. to my therapist about this. Yeah, I think you do. I think it's a weird I have a two weird obsessions problem. that are meshing into one and I don't want them to be because one is a negative obsession. I mean, both of them are not good, but well, one's better than the other. That's fine. It's not for everybody. I'm just saying, you could have picked any no. hot person and you picked Billy Zane. That is not wrong. Any hot person. You didn't even have to pick Chris Evans. You just had to pick any hot person. And you picked Billy Zane. A weird choice. And not the one that I would normally make if I was actually 100% conscious of the choice I was making, I guess. But somewhere in the back of my brain, that's where Billy Zane lives. I'm just gonna keep them separate from Norman Osborne and put a fucking fence between them. Put that wall that they tried to build in the Pacific yeah. Ocean. I assume it will keep Green Goblin out, even though he has bombs. 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 Fuck. Okay. Oh my god. Now I'm just thinking of Billy Zane with Norman Osborne's hair. Yeah. No. I've been thinking about it for and a couple days. Why? <laughs> How is this the first time you're telling me? I thought it would be really funny on recording because it's really fucking terrible oh, and fuck. I want to die. Fuck. Shit. Okay. So this is the worst thing that's happened to me. So I thought I would let every person in the entire world know. Hey. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> so Fred, our fake leader and fake muscle and his fake Dorito body. And Velma, who's the smart bookworm, who is now a lesbian. Yay, Velma. Yay. Coming out of the closet. Yes. Yes, yes. Well, yes. Daphne, who is the pretty one, mm-hmm. and seemed to be the damsel in distress, because uh, she's often found to be the one caught in the trap. But usually she is, when they find her, she's like, oh, hey, I was just waiting for you. I already got myself out. And then that's usually where they find the clue that makes them figure out who the monster mm-hmm. is. So really, the only people that you need are, are Daphne Velma and Daphne. Daphne. <laughs> yes, and well, you need Shaggy and Scooby because they're always the bait. They can run real fast. That's true. I from guess from all the carbs true. they eat, mm-hmm. and you do need a car. Well, just someone else just has to hit Fred in the head and steal his car. You can just asphyxiate him. <laughs> <laughs> him with his fucking ascot and take his car. Yoink. <laughs> it's right there. That's why you don't wear an ass. 
like wired headphones around my neck and I'm like, this is when a murderer is going to come and choke me to death. I'm Don't wear sure. your headphones around your neck, Brittany. Look, I listen to a lot of murder podcasts. Would you like a healthy dose of paranoia? <laughs> An unhealthy dose of paranoia. I can tell you a bunch of podcasts to listen to for that. Yeah. Would you like to talk about BTK? Because apparently <laughs> this is where we're at today. <laughs> I blame the first degree because they just did a three-parter on BTK. <laughs> and I blame me for bringing up that fucking picture of Beardo as BTK. What is with BTK today? <laughs> it's a bad day. Fuck! All right. <laughs> help. Help. Let's see. Then Shaggy and Scooby who always just seemed to be hungry and scared or high and paranoid, but would always show <laughs> their true friendship by agreeing to always be the bait, sticking it out with everyone. Each of these characters are different, yet they make a perfect team. Scooby-Doo has taught us that every single person has something to bring to the table. And on that note, when you put all those things together, you can solve anything in front of you, no matter how unreal or scary it may seem. Help each other out and do that by being yourself, whoever that is, unless you're BTK. Sorry that I said Fred was useless in the middle of your point. <laughs> everybody's like, no, everybody has a point. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the car. He's the fake. Everybody needs a fake leader. Everybody needs a Dorito. I would like my Dorito to be Chris Evans. I actually would who like is a, not a useless. bag of Doritos just in general. I just want one Dorito. And it's Chris Evans. I have two Doritos, one that's Cooler Ranch and one that's Chris Evans. (laughs) Okay. Playing on what I just mentioned, that Shaggy and Scooby were being loyal friends, is something else that you can take from Scooby-Doo. The five of them travel around together, crammed in that small van, and everywhere they go, there are monsters and mysteries. They either have the worst luck or the worst timing, but they all stick it out together. Or the same, like, brain... Injury. <laughs> or that. Um, none of them ever bounce, and they always look out for each other. They never leave anyone behind. Scooby and Shaggy mostly never leave one another, and they're always paired up together. And I know Scooby is Shaggy's dog, but he has so many human-like traits that... It's also his best friend. Yes. Is that it's like you can just be like, well, it's his dog. Obviously, he's with them. Like, well, that is one reason. But he's so human-like, too, that you can't just use that as a reason. <laughs> Not everybody's dog can talk. I mean, it's true. With a speech impediment. With a speech That was another. I didn't put that in there, but they were saying that's another thing that you can learn because he has a wicked bad speech impediment for a lot of kids that was like, they loved him anyways. And I was like, no, they don't. They don't love you. They love him because he's a dog. It's different. <laughs> if your dog has a speech impediment, it's cute. If you have a speech impediment, you need to go to speech therapy. Can't actually talk. What's your speech impediment? I have a little bit of a lisp. It's true. We were talking about this last podcast. And also, I didn't get it fixed when I could have. And then I... This is where I am now. This is where I am now. No, I'm not like Mike Tyson. Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Sally sells (laughs) seashells. I just had too much to drink. Sure. sure Too much. I've had enough to drink to sound like a fucking dickhead. You sound like a dickhead all day. That's definitely We've had a speech day today. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Every time one of them, usually Daphne, ends up captured or caught in a trap, they go and rescue them. Also, every time Fred throws them face first into a dangerous mystery, they all follow him, just follow him right on in with very little to no argument. Um, so what point am I trying to make here? Being a good friend means being loyal and caring for those that you call friends. No matter how much of a lone wolf you may be, One thing that this show and quarantine has taught us is that we're social creatures and you need friends to feel safe and happy. One thing that this podcast has taught you is that also wolves are social creatures and that (laughs) (laughs) there is no lone wolf. (laughs) Also, wolves are pack animals. Um, We're just like wolves in that none of us are fucking lone wolves. We are pack animals. We (laughs) want to be around people. And dogs. Mm-hmm. Always around <laughs> dogs. More around dogs than people. I agree with that notion. Your Scooby team is just you and four Scoobies. <laughs> right? You don't solve any mysteries, but no, you do I eat just, a lot of snacks. I just pet them and feed them treats. So now let's talk about the fact that Shaggy and Scooby are probably high the whole time in every episode. They're always hungry, always eating if there is food, and are easily distracted by shiny things in the show. Now, I will say, video games have taught me that shiny is important, so that's (laughs) fair, but why is this important to our next life lesson? Well, Shaggy and Scooby are constantly getting distracted by these things. If they stumble upon food, they stop to eat it. If they find a nifty contraption, they'll stop to play with it. This often gets them in trouble and leads them into that monster chase scene of some sort. Mm -hmm. The lesson... Stay focused. It can be something as big as when you're driving a car to as small as just trying to finish a project. When you let too many things pull your attention or distract you, you make stupid mistakes. How many times do you click the wrong button or grab the wrong thing just because you weren't paying any attention to what you were actually doing? Usually it's not a big deal and can lead to minor inconveniences, but how often does your phone go off? You look down at it. Could that lead into a car accident? I definitely got somebody who sent me a cat picture and I almost died because of it at one point. I mean, Martha almost drove us off the road because (laughs) dogs were in a carriage. Yeah, but I stand by that one. The (laughs) other one was stupid and irresponsible. Yes, exactly. That person had two dogs and a baby carriage. (laughs) I don't know what you fucking want from me. That's worth ending both of our lives over. (laughs) Thanks for making that choice for me. It's fine. I got you. (laughs) The worst. (laughs) <laughs> all right. Daphne, Freddie, and Velma all tend to have a cool head most of the time, but Shaggy and Scooby are always freaking out. Even so, they always go forth with their crew and solve the mystery. This is a lesson in letting everyone know that it's okay to be scared. There are things that are going to happen in your life that are going to be scary, but you just need to dig deep and try your best to do it. Whether it's big or small, whether it's from making a phone call, which I hate Doing, Mm -hmm. changing jobs, telling someone your feelings, moving to a new place. How scary was it moving to Vegas? Fucking scary. It was really scary, but... Also, telling somebody your feelings is big scary, too. (laughs) Yes. Changing, as someone who's changed multiple jobs, like, even doing it right now, it's scary going from something... It's scary going to something unknown. I'm like, excuse me while I cry. It's not because I'm really sad. It's just because... want to vomit. I'm sorry, I'm a big ball of anxiety, yes. and that's how my face and works. And change is scary, yeah. which is why people don't like change. But you just have to know it's okay. 
If you ask yourself, this is what I always do anyways, what's the worst that can happen? And the answer, if the answer isn't death, aside from a freak accident that could always happen. Just randomly get murdered. <laughs> you you just need to do it because usually what others on the other side is something that you think is going to make you happier. That's why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't go Move after it otherwise. Country. Exactly. Change a job. You wouldn't tell someone your feelings if you didn't think that on the other side of this conversation or this action. Or the I, therapist. Yes. Or a therapist. I could be <laughs> happier. <laughs> And Scooby-Doo taught us that even though it's scary, you have to find the courage to do it. And in the end, it usually turns out okay. Now, in every episode, there's a mystery, a monster, a chase scene, Velma says jinkies. And with that, you know that she knows who the monster is and they lay a trap. Freddy always makes these ridiculous traps and he does this I guess that's what Freddie does. Yeah. He does make the traps. Freddie makes, Freddie really likes Rube Goldberg. He likes everything to have 700,000 steps and then somebody ruins it. Yes. But somebody. <laughs> <coughs> but he always makes these traps with whatever he has laying around. <laughs> you know. Why he has a van. I mean, but I don't even think mostly no, it's, it's true. It's whatever is around. He around. probably has basic things in his van, like rope and this that's and that. Right. But other than that, he just uses whatever lays around. That just makes him sound like a fucking murderer. <laughs> I just have rope and duct tape in my my. There's band. some bleach in there too. Don't worry yeah. about it. So, and, and that that, no that fucking axe. Don't look at it. Literally, don't look at it. <laughs> Ignore the giant person-sized freezer in my trunk. I know that I've made a chalk outline in the back of my fucking van, but I know there's caution tape around that chalk outline. It's an aesthetic. It's just for, I am, I solve mysteries. Yeah, that's my jam. See how it says mystery machine on the side? Oh my god, I hate everything else. So what's the lesson here? Use what is available to you. This is something I feel hard as a cosplayer. Oh, I did recently just use a fucking cereal box to make Wanda's crown. Because <laughs> I didn't have Warbla. Um, because that's what we had. And this doesn't have to be actual things either. Whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you may use the resources you have in front of you. The internet, friends or family that have knowledge as in something that you need to know. If someone knows something that you need or even has some equipment that you can use, just don't look for something somewhere when it's right in front of your face. Use what you have. Like I said, hell, it can be as simple as just being a cereal box when you don't have fucking Warbla. Mm-hmm. Cosplayers are real good at that. It's so, your yellow shirt when we were like, what is what's Luna going to wear? <laughs> Drift compatible, yeah. that's it. <laughs> All right. The most important thing we learned from Scooby-Doo, that when you look a little closer, those monsters and ghost stories and legends aren't real, and the real monsters are always humans. In every single episode of Scooby-Doo, the monsters always just end up being someone in a mask. It isn't until the cartoon movies that the monsters actually become real monsters. And this is a super important message. First, things aren't always what they appear to be. The scary things that go bump in the night, if you look a little closer, aren't scary monsters. 
watching every single one of those monsters demasked with a rational explanation gives you such a sense of satisfaction, kind of like you get uh, when you watch those ridiculous superstitions being torn apart by fucking Ooh, science. Or like flat earthers, where that flat earther where he was like, I'm going to prove that the earth is flat, and then he's like, oops, I proved it was real. Yep. <laughs> Guess I'm a big fucking uh, idiot. You're fucking stupid. And with the satisfaction, there was thought that we don't always see the clear picture and that sometimes, if not always, the explanation, though it can be exclusive, is never actually non-existent. And it's not a ghost either. It's never a ghost, people. Ghosts aren't real. Ghosts aren't real. This lesson that the show gives us is actually extremely relevant in adult life. For just an example, the news. Believing news on face value is a stupid thing to do. Instead, we gotta jump into our mystery machine and unmask that fake news, Martha. I hate you so fucking much. And find all that ugly truth underneath it. My internet mystery machine. What it shows us is humans are always actually the monsters and often use fear of the unknown for their selfish purpose. And as we learn from Shaggy and Scooby in the show, time and time again, fear can be one of the best motivators, which mm. is the only reason why Trump is our president. I'm sorry he played on No, that's fear. fucking true. This shows us that the scary monsters that do go bump in the night, it's not the boogeyman. They're just the same as you and me. They're just people. With this lesson, you can get a sense of relief, but also possible even a sense of more fear. How can people do something like this to one another? And some people truly are monsters. But remember, no matter who the person, they are still just a person. Look at some of the most well-known murderers. BTK, Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. the Golden State Killer that was literally just caught and is now going to jail yeah. for all of his fucking shit he did. How even look at Hitler and look at fucking Trump. There is a way to fight back and end their wrongdoings. It may be scary, uncomfortable, and hard, but it's not impossible because they aren't invincible. They are just people, though sometimes they are people with power, but they are still just people. So to sum it all up, the most important message that Scooby-Doo taught us is that if we remain strong and loyal to one another, remain united, we can always defeat the monsters in the end because the monster is always just a human trying to use fear for its own game. All right. Scooby-Doo! Going deep. Yeah. Scooby-Doo's like, hey, don't trust fucking anybody. (laughs) That person's face is definitely fake. And so is their entire life and they just want your money. And that monster is just a person because people are awful. And monsters aren't real. <laughs> Unless they're kaiju, which is fun. <laughs> but not real. Well, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Ghosts are not real. Vampires are not real. Werewolves are not real. <laughs> <laughs> wolves are real, though. Yes. Regular wolves. They're real. Yeah. But yeah, so Scooby-Doo teaching us lessons. Learning stuff from Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. You know. Velma's queer. Velma's queer. Daphne, even though she's a pretty one, she's really a bomb-ass bitch. Fred's a Dorito. With an ascot. <laughs> Scooby-Doo and Shaggy are always high. It happens. But remember, 
wolves aren't alone and uh, people are always monsters. People are always monsters. Always the person. Mm -hmm. All right. Episode. A thousand. A thousand. Eighteen. Eighteen. Might as well be 800. That's how long we've been in quarantine. Fuck. (laughs) Um, So, everyone, we are still... In a pandemic. Let's not pretend it went away. Please wash your hands. Wash your hands. Please wear, wear a mask. a fucking face mask. Socially distance. Stay in your fucking house as much as you can. I would like a Christmas. I don't. It's not over. Yeah. It's not. Okay. No matter what the government wants to tell you. <laughs> Also, moving. Vote. Oh, my God. We're going to say that every single episode until the end now, until November. Yep. Vote, 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 vote. vote, vote, vote. vote. If your state is going to be good enough to allow mail-in voting, like, Nevada just sent me the mail-in for the preliminaries, so I hope it does that again. Give it a couple weeks to make sure you can mail it in, or Nevada was good, too, because I was able to drop it off, off, so I just went that day, dropped it off. It took me two seconds, and that was gone. Mm -hmm. Make sure you vote. We are going to say it Make sure every single episode. It's really this fucking This is the important. only way we can fix the shit show that is our country yeah. right now. But other than that, stay safe. Make sure you rate, review, you, review, you subscribe. Please, 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 if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a five star. Please leave us a comment. It helps boost us. It helps people see it more so people can find it. So even if it's just something super small Mm -hmm. and quick, just quick five star and right on over to a quick little comment that's even like, hey, these guys are great. They're super nerdy. They think they're funny. (laughs) (laughs) We do think we're funny, so that's that's not false. But other than that, have a great rest of your week and we will see you next Tuesday. Clank. Clank. Someone give us money for our cat. (laughs) Our third tier on Patreon is just cat pictures. (laughs) (laughs) For $10 a month, you can get a daily picture of Luna. You can get six daily pictures of Luna. (laughs) I'll make sure. For $20 a month, you get a daily picture of Luna and a picture of Martha and my feet touching. (laughs) This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at ESONetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.